What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Hook One Pod. Hey, we're here at Hook One Bait and Tackle in Marine City, Michigan, and as always, I'm Pete. And I'm Willie. And today we're going to put together a little episode about casting for walleyes. Uh, casting for walleyes around the country is actually pretty popular, but around us, especially here in the St. Clair River and Lake St. Clair, um, as of late, it's becoming very popular, and it's a way to really up your percentage on catching fish. I think it's a pretty fun way to catch fish, you know? Yeah, I think it's a good way to catch more fish when the fish are being pressured and a good way to catch even bigger fish sometimes. Yeah, and a way to um, definitely key in on those bigger fish is being able to cast. You can really sit off of the fish. You don't have to be right over top of them um, as opposed to like when you're vertical jigging. So you can sit off those fish. And then the other thing I really like about it is you can really target one spot. You're not drifting over it like, um, vertical jigging, for those of you that don't know, we really rely on the current to push us drifting over the fish. But if you spot lock and you're casting right on those fish, you can have a lot of success doing it. Yeah, I think it helps even with vertical jigging and crawler harnesses. You're both dragging the boat over the fish and then the fish are seeing your bait um, compared to kind of sitting outside the fish, casting to them. And there's really nothing for them to kind of get scared of or spook. Yeah, and, and honestly, you never have to bring the boat over them. Um, and the thing about cr- crawler harnesses is that it's nice. You can fish a lot. We usually fish a lot deeper water. Um, we can get into that 40-foot range. But you're right. If you're trying to drag crawler harnesses, and, I mean, in this river, it's so clean. Anything less than 20 feet, they're going to feel the boat pressure there. Yeah, it's and the water's so clear right now. I mean, they can see the boat from anywhere within 20 to 25 feet of water. Um, the other thing that's pretty cool about casting is you can really go out there and do it with everything that you have in your box for vertical jigging. You can use, uh, I mean, I don't really suggest it unless you're fishing super deep, but you can use up to an ounce jig. Uh, we really like to stick to five baits. We'll go up to three quarters if the current's moving pretty heavy. Um, but I think something important is we're not casting where there's heavy current. You know what I mean? We're looking for stuff that's different. Yeah, usually what I look for when I'm casting is kind of like a current break where you can't really vertical jig or the boat kind of spins in circles. Um, Another good place is on super, super fast drop-offs where you can't get your jig to sit in the middle of it. You kind of crawl a a swim bait or a a jig and wrap right down the side of it, and I feel like you cover more water and you cover water efficiently like that. Yeah, exactly, and the cool thing with the jigs is not only, you know, a lot of us around here have jigs and plastics in our box, but there are so many different things you can throw at these walleye casts at them. We've caught fish on hair jigs, jigging wraps, uh, ripping wraps. I mean, if we're going to start this, we're going to be going a long time. Blade yeah. baits, but it's super cool that you can use all these different baits to target these walleyes. And there's a lot of spots in the river, like you said, um, with the slack current that you can hit these fish where you're definitely not going to be able to vertical jig them. Uh, you'll be stuck spinning around like an idiot. That's usually like what I'm trying to do before I finally just say, screw it, I'm casting. Um, but you can have great success, and we've caught better numbers casting uh, some days than we have jigging. Yeah, there's some times where the fish just don't want to be in the current, and there's really no way to really target them efficiently than without casting or – like Pete said, you're going to look like that one guy just spinning in circles. Going I'm that one guy. <laughs> I'm that one guy. That's me. That's me and, unfortunately, the clients. No, but really, you're stuck just spinning. Yeah. So um, when you're casting, there's definitely a lot of things that you want to look for or that you can look for. I mean, you can target 
weed beds. And what's cool about that is you can use smaller jigs and fish over the weed beds, which a lot of people overlook, but you have so much success fishing on top of weed beds. It's crazy. Yeah. So bass fishing, there's a bait called the Ned Rig and it's super, super popular uh, over in Minnesota on a lake called Moax. And I mean, everybody up here uses it for bass fishing, but even bass fishing in the river, I've started using it. And I've caught so many walleye on it. It's it's unreal. Yeah, the Ned Rig's pretty cool. I know a lot of guys around Lake St. Clair have been using it too. Um, and obviously all over the country. But a lot of guys, like you said, especially over on Mille Lacs, a lot of those guys are starting to figure out like, hey, man, this Ned Rig catches a lot of walleye. And obviously it would. It just It's a small weight, super finesse, just looks like a little bug. Um, and I think you could put together a pretty cool episode on how to fish a, a Ned Rig in the river because – it's not easy, especially if you've never fished one before, being so finesse. The current would really slide it along, but there's a lot of spots that you can find in the river that are super cool for casting them. Yeah, one thing I like about the Ned Rig is it's a super white jig head on a smaller body. So if you're fishing a weed bed in the river or a weed bed in the lake where the weeds come kind of up tall, you kind of let it sink in the weeds a little bit and you can yank it out and it doesn't really get tangled in those weeds. So it kind of helps trigger a bite right after you pull it out and the weeds i guess i should mention the weeds are really something that you want to target in the summer um there's not too many of them around in the spring and stuff but the summer is when you want to target those weeds because that's where all the bait is and all the big fish hide out in there whether it's um they're getting away from the sun they're just burying themselves down deep or they're getting ready to ambush their prey a lot of fish especially in our system using this cleaner water love using weed beds yeah it seems like once this once the water hits like 70 degrees right around there there's no really exact temperature but it seems like once the sun comes up they just kind of bury themselves in the weeds and there's really no way to catch them unless you're casting into them so as far as um fishing them in the in the spring or i guess even in the late fall but when there's no weeds uh that's when you're really going to start looking for that slack current uh isolated rock piles or maybe it's a tree that's down there be careful, otherwise you'll be donating to the tree. But hey, that's always good for hook one. Oh, God. Yeah, I've donated plenty of stuff to the bottom of the St. Clair River. Um, yeah, we all have. Uh, but, yeah, so you're really going to try and find those type of spots. Drop-offs are really good, too. Um, but that's essentially where the fish are going to be sitting. And, obviously, you can vertical jig a lot of those things. But being able to cast, I think the guys from H2H, uh, the fishing tournament, that head-to-head, they really came, they came to the Detroit River and they did something extremely unique. But my favorite part wasn't watching him catching him casting. My favorite part was watching them casting with everybody behind them jigging. And they were out fishing those guys. It wasn't close. No. It wasn't close. No. I think casting is just one of those things that not many people do it right now. So it's kind of something that gives you a pretty big advantage because the fish really haven't seen any of the baits like that. So I think it's just kind of one of those up and coming things. What's really nice about it too, is you can, obviously when you're jigging, you can always, you know, differ your cadence, but you're, you're going to be going a certain speed. What's nice about casting is especially on those cold, cold days, early in the spring, late in the fall, where we know there's fish around and we know there's bigger fish around. We've been able to present it to them and leave that bait sit for a little while. You know, you can fish it a lot slower, but then in the summer, you can fish it so aggressively 
uh, it's definitely been able to to help us put more fish on. Yeah, there's definitely been a couple of times in the spring where I've been casting for them, and it's such a white bite that I'd cast it out there, and my jig would have to be dragging along the bottom. I couldn't twitch it. I couldn't hop it. It had to be dragging along the bottom to get a bite, and you can't really do that vertical jigging. You're going way too fast, but casting is just its another advantage. You can slow your bait down, get a different presentation, and just leave it in front of the fish for a longer period of time. Right, and it's essentially, um, you know, like a jig trolling type deal, but a lot of spots in our river and those guys south of us that fish Detroit River know you can't, you can't jig troll because you're not going to have any more jigs. Yeah. Uh, there's just so much stuff on the bottom between rocks and trees and stuff like that. Now, if you found a sand flat and stuff, you could, you could jig troll, but being able to cast those different baits and those different sizes baits um, in and around the structure is what's going to do good because we've all learned the hard way, you know, casting three quarter ounce jigs or even five eighths ounce jigs into some shallow cover and popping off. Well, immediately, you know, Hey, I got a downsize, you know, I'm snagging up because my bait's just digging into the bottom. And then as soon as you downsize, you find a lot of success. Yeah. There's been times where I've been fishing around a tree or a bunch of rocks or a big snag on the bottom. And I've had to downsize my bait all the way to a quarter ounce just to kind of make sure my bait doesn't fall in the cracks or get hung up in the tree. And it kind of floats right above it. And it's it, it goes with the, the let me say, the, the quarter ounce jig catches the current more so it goes down the river faster. But if you can get the quarter ounce jig to the bottom, when you're fishing around snags, I think it's going to be your best opportunity to get the bait in front of the fish without getting snagged up. We talk about it all the time and, and you can't emphasize it enough, but you can't beat time on the water. And sometimes, you know, you can't feel it with a quarter ounce jig. Well, the only way you're going to feel it is if you keep using it. Yeah. You got to just keep using it. I mean, I, I, that was my biggest issue, especially with the Ned rig. I hated using it because I just, I could not feel the bottom. I was like, I give, fuck it. Give me something that's an ounce. <laughs> you know, let me know I'm on the bottom. But I mean, in all reality, the more you can start downsizing and, and playing with your baits and trying to figure out what those fish need, because that's kind of what we're getting to next. But there's so many different things that you can throw on the back of a jig that's going to bring in fish, whether it's a fork tail, a paddle tail, a twister, um, like the Mr. Twisters. You know, there's so many uh, even worm presentations, which I don't use too much casting. I don't think they work as good as jigging. But I know guys have had success doing it. Um, I just think there's that many fish in the rivers, yeah. in the river system sometimes. But like I said, I mean, I know it's successful. So if you can use all those different options and opportunities, you know, maybe you like going out every day and just, I, this is my spot, this is my bait, and this is what I want to do. Hey, that's fine. We're not judging you. Go out there and pound them. If you're catching limits and you're having a good time, great. But if you want to, if you want to be trying something different, and you know, you want, you still want to keep a jig rod in your hand but you want to try a different style, this might kind of be what's for you. Yeah, it's like Pete said, a lot of people like knowing they're on bottom, but time on the water kind of gets, it's, it helps a lot when you're casting. Um, sometimes I downsize all the way to an eighth of an ounce in the river. And when I tell people that, I kind of get weird looks or people telling me I'm crazy. That there's no way my bait's on the bottom. But in all reality, it takes a long time to sink. But once it hits bottom, I think it's more of a natural presentation that kind of goes with the current, bounces naturally. And I feel like the more you downsize, the 
let me think, the more fish you're going to catch. It's just more natural. It, it bounces with the current. It stays on the bottom. And overall, I think the lighter you go, the more fish you're going to catch. That was pretty good because as soon as you said if you downsize and catch fish, I, you knew a why was coming. Yeah. You knew a why was coming. That was a blanket statement. Yeah. But, no, I mean, we've had really good success on, on the NAD rig. And at the same time, I've watched you have success, and I went right back to my three-quarter ounce tube in the river. But it's because I can feel bottom, and there are days. But you got to think, if the Ned rigs fall into the bottom, okay, when my tube, when my three-quarter ounce tube hits the water, or my, let's change it, let's get out of bass fishing. I'm going to go back. <laughs> when my three-quarter ounce jig hits the water with that, whatever's on the back of it, say there's just a fork tail on it. When my jig hits the water on a fork tail and it shoots down to the bottom, I mean, it looks like a cannonball. Yeah. Right? And so, I mean, typically when we're fishing Ned rigs, it's the summertime. You're looking for weeds. And I mean, it's not always true. You can fish them in cold water, but you're kind of trying to imitate like a bug. Yeah. So when you're throwing that net rig out there and it's a lighter bait and it's just falling to the bottom, it looks a lot like a bug because it's not like a cannonball. Yeah. It's not zipping down to the bottom immediately. It's taking its time. There's a bow in your line. And we've even seen that with, you know, casting it. Now we should say this and I'll let Louie talk about it a little bit more, but when you are fishing, um, when you are casting and you're fishing these finesse style baits, you really want to be positioning yourself. Um, well, let's put this in river terms because we're in the river, but you want to be down current from what you're aiming at and you want to be casting up current. It's a lot more natural watching your bait come down with the current than it would be casting with the current and bringing that bait into the current. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the way I like to cast a med rig in the river is – I kind of get below where I where I think the fish are sitting. Um, I use spot lock. Um, there's a bunch of different things out there now, power poles, whatever. I mean, even if you don't have that stuff, yeah. you can even use a bag just to really slow you down. But yeah, you know, I mean, as long as you're going slower than the current, you can do it. But what I like to do is I like to spot lock under where I think the fish are, kind of to the right or to the left of them just so my line's not going direct into the boat. But I cast up current. I kind of open my bail, let a bunch of line out. And then once your line stops coming out or you can see it stop moving on the water, is kind of where I kind of figured out I think I'm on bottom. And I kind of keep a slack line on the bottom. So I'm not keeping a bunch of tension on it. So you're not going to feel the fish bite. Because in the river, in the river, the current is going to move your net rig too. You know? Yeah. So one thing I've kind of learned is if you keep a, a tight line when you're using such a light bait, it, you're just going to keep pulling it off the bottom. There's really no way to keep a tight line with the bow in your line in the current. So I leave a little bit of a bow in my line. I keep some slack line. And as soon as I see my, my line stop drifting um, down the river, I know I either have a fish or a snag. So you just kind of reel set the hook and you're either on bottom or you have a fish but it's definitely time on the water that's going to help you learn how to use such a light bait and the first couple times it's going to be frustrating but it definitely pays off yeah frustrating is a good thing as much as i seriously hate to admit it and anyone that knows me personally knows that when i get frustrated i could i just want to snap rods (laughs) (laughs) i've actually only snapped one but Seriously, it, it can be frustrating, but I've figured out that sometimes the most frustrating things really do lead to some of the most fun um, 
styles of fishing that we've done because if it was easy, everybody would do it. But every it's not that everybody can't do it. You know what I mean? Everybody can do it. We just suggest, you know, go out there and put, put the time in because especially if you go out there in the spring when there's a good bite, you really can't mess it up as far as if you're in a spot where they're catching them jigging, you will catch them casting. It's just you can't cast if there's a ton of boats around you. So it's good to be away from the pack. But if, if you're on fish, you can always catch them casting. And those fish are always moving. Yeah. Um, you know, depending on time of day, they could be sliding up. They could be sliding down. So casting gives you that ability to go up or down. Where jigging, you really it, it's going to take you a whole drift. Yeah. One thing that I think casting really helps with if, if you're on a smaller pot of fish and you're only catching one or two while you're vertical jigging, you can kind of sit there and pick away at that same pot of fish if they're sitting in a little bit shallow when the sun's up. They're not going to move. You can kind of present your bait to them all different ways without, like we said earlier, driving your boat up over them, drifting over them. But you can kind of just let that bait sit in their face. Right. And so for the guys that have never actually – um, tried casting for walleye or done it, there's really two popular ways to to retrieve your bait. So you can either bounce it back, which is essentially jigging it back, or if you've got, and this is where you really want to downsize your bait, um, and you'd have to use either a paddle tail or a twister, but you can do a steady retrieve. So you'd want to use like a quarter ounce um, or even smaller, depending where you're at. And and the steady retrieves nice because you can cast it out, you know, you're on the bottom and then just reel nice and slow. And the thing that took me a long time to learn, but it's the best thing you can do for it is you want to feel the bottom. You want to feel the rumbles and, yeah. and the pebbles and stuff. You want to feel that because it looks like a little bait fish kind of ruddling around in the weeds, whatever the word ruddling means. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's down there on the rocks. And um, I just think that's a different presentation. Now, typically when I'm casting, uh, I'll be honest, I'm more of a jig fisherman. I, I typically tend to jig it back, whether it's um, a body bait, like a blade bait or a, a jigging wrap, or it's a jig. I have started going back more to a to a slow retrieve because when the fish hits on a slow retrieve, it's a blast. Yeah, there's nothing like kind of reeling a, a three-eighths or a quarter-ounce swim bait in, and you're just feeling the tick, 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 and then all of a sudden – it, your rod just bends over and you got a big walleye. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's really no mistake in it. Like, hey, that was either a walleye or that was a tree branch. Yeah. They, they basically take the rod out of your hands. Um, and then the jig. So when you're jigging it back, what you're looking for is as you, as you jig it up, um, when you're letting it back down, typically, at least as I found out most of the walleye I catch, they're going to bite it on the way down. So you really want to try and pay attention on the way down, whether you're watching your line. Or, you know, really feeling for it, keeping it, keeping slack out of your line, which is um, what you want to do when you're jigging because the fish can bite at any time. But typically they're going to bite on the way down. And as soon as you feel that tick or as soon as you feel something different, you know it's not bottom. You know, you set the hook and they're there. And when it's a big fish, you can't, you know, the drag starts ticking. Oof. One thing I get a lot about casting jigs in the river is people asking if I use a stinger. And the answer to that is yes. I feel like a lot of the fish when you're casting short strike more than vertical jigging. So I think using a stinger is really going to help you. I mean, it might get you snagged a little bit more, but it's definitely worth it than missing more fish. 
does it matter what um does it matter what type of bait you got on the back are you gonna run a stinger with a paddle tail or a twister so if i'm using like a longer city bait i know pete doesn't like it but i like to use a treble hook or a, a stinger that just kind of sits in the bait so if they bite the bait the the hook is there no matter where they no matter where they hit on a bait there's going to be a hook besides the head but when i'm using a paddle tail or a twister i like to use a little bit of a longer um weeder to my stinger so it's not the treble hook isn't affecting the movement of the tail or the twister it just kind of sits right behind the bait right and i'm i'm also a believer in the stinger hook and i know a lot of guys are we'll probably have some shit coming our way for it but that's okay um, I know a lot of guys even come in here, you know, what are the stinger hooks for? And, you know, you lose too many jigs. I do lose jigs. Um, but typically if I'm losing jigs, I'm going to, I'm going to lose them regardless in the spot that I'm fishing. I mean, a lot of the times when I'm fishing, especially with a stinger hook, you know, we're hitting sand flats, we're hitting spots where there's rocks, but it's going to be going off the rocks. And like you said, I mean, we're using small hooks, you know, we're using size 10 trebles. You nip them in the back of your bait. I let mine just kind of free fall. I just pin, slide the crimp up to the hook, um, and mine kind of just hang out there. We both catch fish. I catch more fish than Louie. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, no, they both catch fish. And um, the short strike is something that's super frustrating. And, and with the jigs, just the way they're designed, um, yeah, I do. I do think the stinger is extremely helpful. If you hate it, I mean, there are going to be spots where you, you do hate it, where you're not going to use it, especially if you're casting in the summer, if you're around weeds, then get the stinger out of there for the most part, because it will pick up the weeds. Um, but when the water's cold, and especially in the spring, when the when those fish are short striking, 100%, my, my vote is with the stinger. Yeah. Um, the only exception that I do have with not using a stinger is going to be the summertime when there are a lot of weeds. Um for some reason, I feel like when you're catching walleye out of the weeds, you're not going to get as many bites, but the bites you get, it seems like they kind of just inhale the bait, so you don't really need a stinger hook. But, I mean, to yeah. use their own. Yeah. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a certain time of the year where the walleye, I mean, when, when the water's warm, and that's typically the time when I bring out a lot of this stuff. I, I will say that. I bring out a lot of my different baits when the water's warm. A lot of the blade baits and my ripping wraps and the jigging wraps. I have used ripping wraps and like the size sixes and had success in cold water. I have way more success with a jig in plastic uh, in cold water than I do in warm water. Yeah. Um, one bait that I think does kind of stand out in colder water is a jigging wrap. All I do is kind of cut, cut the front hook off so it's not stagging on bottom. But... I mean, I'm not casting it as far. I'm kind of pitching it out like 15, 20 feet and just slowly pulling it up and slowly letting it down. And it kind of not darts, but picks its own direction in the water instead of coming straight up and straight down. And sometimes I think it helps trigger the fish. Yeah, and you got to think, I mean, a lot of these baits, like I just mentioned, I mean, not so much blade baits, but the ripping wraps, the jigging wraps, um, and a lot of like these body type baits, I mean, there's just so many out there. You got the shiver minnows, um, the ripping glides from Walleye Nation Creations are pretty sweet baits. Um, but all those, you use all them ice fishing. So they obviously all work when it's cold out, which is funny because that's when guys are like, ah, oh, they don't work, they don't work in the spring. I mean, 
They do, but it's all about cadence. You can't, you can't be fishing them aggressive. You got to basically essentially fish it like you do ice fishing. They eat. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, with the jig and the plastic, especially, uh, for guys around here that want to start trying it and using stuff in your own tackle box, if you're going to be using the fork tail minnows and stuff like that, I would highly suggest throwing a stinger on there. It's definitely going to help up your hookup ratios. You might lose a couple baits, but for the couple baits you lose, I'm willing to bet there's going to be more fish you catch. Yeah. The only thing with the stinger hook is I wouldn't go any bigger than a size eight. Um, I think if you go any bigger than that, you're going to tend to lose a little bit more fish just by the fish's mouth kind of hitting it. But I feel like a size eight or a size 10 is perfect. Just enough, just small enough to where it kind of doesn't even seem like it's there. Right. And to be honest, I think casting, you could probably, you probably should try and get away even smaller. Yeah. Uh, Just because you'll catch, you know, with the smaller hooks, you're still going to keep those fish pinned with a size 10 with even a size 12. Um, you know, you'll still keep those fish pinned with the size eights. They just got a little bit bigger gap in the hook. So you're going to risk that chance of hooking onto said rock or tree branch where those smaller hooks usually just kind of flutter through there. Um, but you definitely have great success doing it. And honestly, I more, I have more success than I do, uh, frustrations with losing jigs. It's to me, it's a no brainer when I go out there. Yeah. I mean, to catch fish and lose maybe two or three jigs a trip it's really nothing i mean i pay to go golfing and i lose way more than two three golf balls a trip so yeah i want to get started with that so i'll just stick to losing jigs because (laughs) uh, we have plenty of them on the wall so you know another thing that's pretty cool that uh we haven't really talked about casting them but we've been doing it a lot more this year that's been interesting we've been fishing a lot of jigging spoons we've been casting some jigging spoons yeah that's uh there's a couple of different ways that I we, think we've gone about it this year. Yeah, I think I think we found the most success, at least in warmer water, um, or at least I've found more success in the warmer water. Uh, given it, and this is kind of th- these are funny to fish because you really want to be aggressive on your jig up, and then this is the one time where I'd really say you know let some slack in your line on the fall because you really want that thing to flutter on the way down. And then usually it's right back on your jig up, boom, fish on. And the cool thing about the jigging spoons is we've been targeting walleyes, but we've gotten smallmouth, we've gotten pike, we've gotten sheephead. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty multi-species. Um, I think I've been kind of messing with them a little bit more than you probably have. I know you've been doing a lot of bass fishing this summer, which is killing me. Yeah. One thing I will say, I don't know if I brought it up to Pete yet. It's kind of been something I've been doing bass fishing but the secret bait i've been taking the bottom treble hook off the jigging the jigging spoon and i've been tying like taking like 20 pound floral and making like a two inch leader and then i'm taking a rubber band and wrapping it around holding the hook in the middle of the spoon so i'm casting it out and just before it hits bottom i'm kind of yanking it up really hard and I fished those in the lake, and I've been catching bass, walleye, pike, sheephead, and you're not getting any weeds. You're not getting any, well, I mean, weeds. You're not getting snagged. But I feel like your hookup ratio is way better because they're going to tend to hit the bait in the middle where it's um, the biggest, and your hook is right there. 
You know what? You did mention that, and I actually thought that was pretty cool. I wanted to ask you then, but I'll just ask you now in front of everybody. Um, would it work if you just took the treble hook and, and folded it up, or is the treble hook probably too small? Um, it's not long enough. I don't think it gives you the right angle because the, the barb's going to be facing down. So Are you still you, using a treble hook? Um, or is it a single hook? I use a treble hooks. I've tried it with a single hook. I feel like your hookup ratio really isn't that good because sometimes that hook folds over to the bait and there's really nothing left for they grab onto. Right. But, I mean, if you're, if you're having not – I think not good hookup ratios with the hook on the bottom. I would just try and take that hook off, make a little two, one and a half to two inch leader, and then rubber band or tie fishing line right around it to keep that bait on the side of the, the spoon. And it seems like my hookup ratios have gone way up casting. Um, jigging, I feel like the hook on the bottom is still the, the way to go, but casting, it seems like it's helped me a little bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that would work too much um, jigging, but it definitely is something interesting uh, casting. And, and the action on that bait is, is pretty cool. They may, I mean, they have ice fishing baits that are similar to that where the hook's just on the side of it. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a super interesting action, but they're never heavy enough to try out there. So just to really, you know, clear it up, you're taking the spoon and you're taking the treble hook off the bottom. Yep. On the bottom, you're tying a one-and-a-half to two-inch fluorocarbon leader. Yep. Back to the treble hook. So, or do you switch your treble? So I'm using the same treble that comes on the bait, but yep. where your line, so where you're tying the line to, I'm tying that leader like to the same line tie. So there's just, so there's going to be two lines connected to your line tie. On so top. your main line is tied yep. to the top of the spoon, and then the leader is also tied to the top of the spoon. Yep. So they're hanging both, down. Yep. So yep. they're both coming from the same line tie, and you're just going to kind of fasten it onto the spoon so it doesn't go around or get tangled on your line and i mean casting it's helped me enormously well i'm gonna keep my hooks on the bottom <laughs> <laughs> but for anyone seriously it does work it is super successful uh i actually don't do a ton of casting spoons i just started doing it this year uh and actually found a lot of success so that's why i felt like we could share it around and um talk about it a little bit but you know, just those little modifications to the baits. You know, we, we talked about it earlier. We mentioned on it, clipping the nose off a jigging wrap. Now, the shiver minnows don't have a hook on the front. Neither yeah. do the ripping glides from yeah. walleye nations. And I will say, all of them move in the water differently. They all represent a different bait, and they all cut through the water differently. So that's one thing I suggest is figuring out a little bit more what you like. Because if you ask some guys, they're going to tell you what they like. You know, me personally... I'm a big fan of the jig and wrap. I'm starting to like the shiver minnow a little bit more. I really haven't put a ton of time into the ripping glides, and that's that's really my fault. I'll probably do it a little more this fall as we head back to the lake here in the next couple weeks. Um, but those little those little modifications that you make to your baits, you know, the stinger hooks to your plastics, the cutting the hooks off the jig and wraps, folding or bringing the hook from the top down on your spoons and keeping them on the bait. You know, that's stuff that not a lot of people think about and that we really wouldn't think about if it wasn't for all the YouTube videos and podcasts that, you know, we tune into. But it's super cool when you when you put that stuff to the test and, and you see successful results. Yeah, another thing that I think we kind of forgot to mention is 
using a different style jigs in your casting, which is the ultra minnow, the walleye jigs, and the ball jigs. I think we we're just getting into that because oh. we're we got <laughs> there's guys. There's so many different types of jigs, so we'll let Louie keep going. And I think we're heading into a really cool part of the podcast here. Yeah, so I think once or when the water's still pretty cold, everybody's still bundled up. I think ball jigs are the way to go casting. It's kind of just up and down movement. There's no darting to your jig. Um, you're basically fishing sand flats or rocks. So ball jigs are going to help you stay out of the rocks and sand. It doesn't really matter. There's nothing to get snagged on. But once the water does start to warm up and the fish are getting more aggressive, um, I'll switch over to a walleye head. If I'm a little bit deeper, if I'm a little bit shallower, I'll use an ultraminnow. And ultraminnows tend to dart when you pull the line pretty fast or yank the line. And when the fish are starting to get aggressive, uh, aggressive, I feel like those ultraminnows kind of trigger uh, a bite more. Yeah, I mean, you just look at the shapes of the jigs. Now, I'll be honest, very rarely um, do I use a lot of round ball jigs just because I don't know. I don't even really have an answer, to be honest with you. I always have loved the walleye style, or some guys call it the wedge style, but it's like that in-between between an ultra minnow and a round ball. Um, it's got like a little bit of a fish shape to it. To be honest with you, I love the way that it looks on the plastics compared to any other jig. Yeah. Um, and I've just found that sometimes when I fish it slower, I still have real, a lot of success. The round balls, you can fish as slow as possible. Um, and, you know, I don't even really – you can cast round balls – but the only motion you're going to be get is it's coming straight back to you. So just yeah. think about that when you're you, when you're tying on a bait. Think about how it's going to act in the water and how you want to play with your cadence and stuff. Um, I, like I said, though, I've always used the walleye jig, but it's got a little wedge to it. And then the ultra minnow has got the super wedge um, where it's basically just like looks like a minnow head. Yeah. And then, I mean, you've got – um, similar to the ultra minnow, you'd have like the pancake jig where it's, uh, just flat on both sides. Um, there's the aspirin heads that are coming out. Yeah. Um, you got the bullet jigs, which are basically, you know, they just look like a bullet. Yeah. Um, and those are actually, the bullet jigs are pretty cool that you don't see a lot of places, but they have some pretty cool action to them. Yeah. I've done pretty good on those and I really don't see anybody using them around here. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, I don't know if it's just a mold type thing, if there's not a lot of molds around. Uh, I know there are some some local makers out here that have them, so I think we're going to definitely try and get some in the shop, because like I said, they're just hard to find. But the Ultra Minnows um, have a lot of darting motion to them too, as do the pancake jigs. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, the walleye, the wedge heads, they don't have as much darting. Um, they more fish, they fish similar to a round ball but they do have a little bit of dart. And that's what I like is, it, you know, it's not a straight line. It's a little here, a little there um, in that cold weather, I should say. Uh, as it warms up, we start heading more towards the ultra minnows, but I also start adding a lot, you know, I'll start using more of a, even like a swim jig type jig as we get yeah. towards the warmer summer months. They're a little easier to fish. Yeah. So what he's trying to say is, they kind of have like a little bit of an incline towards the, the line tie. So when you're crawling that bait along the bottom, like more of a straight retrieve in with a paddle tail or a twister, all the kind of snags on the bottom, your bait kind of hits towards the bottom of the head and it kind of lifts it right up and over. 
So you tend to get less snags. Yeah, that was definitely a, a, a great idea mentioning kind of why the swim jig is a little different. And it definitely avoids keeping you out of snags. It's one of my favorite baits to use, especially when I'm fishing rocks uh, and stuff like that. But I think we've talked a lot about jigs and jigging spoons and, and jigging baits, but we really haven't touched on a lot of the plastics that we use for casting. Yeah. Um, usually when I'm using like a, uh, a ball jig or, uh, an ultra minnow or the walleye style jig, I tend to use like a Wonker city fork tail or finesse fish is what they call it. Um, what size are you use? Four inch, I think. Usually four inch. Um, come on, Louie. <laughs> usually like your normal jigging colors, your vertical jigging colors are going to be good. Like your L Weiss, Arkansas Shiner, Blue Ice is always good. Well, for us, for us here in the river, it's natural. Yeah. Um, you know, down in Detroit, they use a lot more of the chartreuse. Well, I shouldn't even say Detroit, Saginaw. Um, a lot of where you got the yeah. dirtier water, you're going to use a little bit brighter colors and different colors. Yeah. Um, basically, all your good colors, vertical jigging are going to be still good casting. So just kind of carry it over. And, you know, it's funny, when I, first, when I first started casting, it was just kind of by accident. You know, I was just like, yeah, this should work. You know, I watched it so many times on YouTube. Yeah. And it looks like fun. I was like, this should work. And literally, I learned with a three-quarter ounce jig and a fork-tail minnow, and that's all I used for, like, probably a year, a year and a half. Yeah. And, and just really as of recently, I've really started using a lot more of the paddle tails, the twister tails. I mean, the paddle tails are cool to me because there's so many different – kinds i mean i really like the um those salmo walleye shads like the just the little ones and they just got a little paddle yeah um but they look pretty good in the water or you can get like those big rage swimmers that have like the the big old paddle that really puts some vibrations in the water but i think those have been pretty cool to use and honestly a lot of those baits catch my eye probably more than they catch the fish's eye yeah but the options like i said i'm i'm one of the guys that i like to go out there i get bored doing the same thing all the time, um, especially if I'm out there fun fishing. You know, when I'm chartering, hey, I, we're there to catch fish. I'll go jig the same spot. And we will pound those fish. And then if we have success, you know, we usually go look for bigger fish. But when I'm fun fishing, I like to find out the fish are there, and then I like to switch it up a little bit. So for me, having that variety is really cool, um, being able to throw all that stuff. Yeah. Another good bait that I think most people um, directly relate to bass fishing is the tube. Um, I think it's a great bait to drag on the bottom in uh, the summertime, the dog days of summer. You're going to tend to catch basically everything that swims in the river. Um, kind of drag it near rocks, stumps, logs, drop-offs. And, I mean, it, it basically catches everything. Yeah, we've caught a lot of walleyes uh, casting tubes this year. And it's actually been really interesting. I've caught a lot of walleyes, like, out of the weeds casting tubes, which was really surprising. I mean it's really just representing kind of like a goby type fish. So it's not, it's not surprising, yeah. uh, but it kind of, it kind of is. Yeah. I feel like it just kind of stirs up stuff behind, like sand, minerals, anything kind of stirs it up and it kind of makes a disturbance in the water. And I feel like it kind of draws a bunch of different fish's attention to make them come look at it. Yeah. Especially because um, all of our fish, you know, really relate to the bottom, whether it's salmon fishing, walleye fishing, musky fishing, obviously sturgeon fishing, um, a lot of smallmouth fishing. We do a lot of drop shotting and tubes yeah. for the smallmouth in the river. Uh, so any, 
any bait that's going to be on the bottom. I thought it was funny how many walleyes we've caught this year on drop shots. It's almost something that hint, hint, I might be trying next spring. But yeah. it was just interesting because I obviously it works. The yeah. bait's in the strike zone, you know. I just think um, there's there's so many techniques that people around here don't really want to expand or have the time to kind of learn. But if if you just if you have time, go out and try new techniques, try new baits, and I think it'll pay off. There's really nothing that a walleye won't eat if you present it the right way. So right, and time's the big thing. I mean, every every one of us, us two talking, and you know everybody listening. We none of us have time. You know, all our lives yeah. are busy between work and everything we have going on with our personal life, and you know all the struggles that everyone's seen over the last two years going on now. You know, none of us have time, but when we do have time, that's, you know, that's why we love doing the podcast is because hopefully this is an outlet that some people can listen to and go out there and catch fish. Because when you do have time, you know, hey, we, we caught our limit, you know, when the fishing's really good in the middle of May and June, it's not, it's not crazy to go out there and catch your limit quick. So, hey, if you go out there and catch your limit quick, don't be that guy back at the dock at 8, 39 o'clock yeah. if you don't have to be. Go out there and enjoy it, man. Throw some jigs throw some baits and, and figure out like, oh, shoot, you know, this works. We're not out here trying to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. This is stuff that's been going on all over the country um, in different fisheries, but we've just been, um, you know, we've just been excited to bring it here and try it. And, hey, some stuff has worked. We've had a lot of success doing it. A lot of the stuff that we tried has not worked. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I'm still not going to say a bunch on, but I'm kind of still working on is some crankbaits in the river, not trolling them, but kind of casting them. Um, I caught a lot of fish this this summer on them, but I'm not completely dialed, so I'm not going to say anything that's wrong. So that yeah. might be it for a later show. Yeah, that's for a later show. Because um, crankbaits in the river is something that a lot of guys control them, and obviously it's easy to cast them upstream and bring them straight back to you. But, you know, the current's going to do some weird things with a crankbait. Obviously in the lake they work really well. Offshore in the river they work pretty well. Um, and they do work well out there, but there's some testing that needs to be done. Um, but you know, the jigs, it, it's tried and true. It's going to work as far as cost. I mean, you can get jig heads for usually under a buck a piece and you can get a whole pack of plastics for like four bucks. So you're looking at like five bucks. You can go out there and you can catch multiple limits on just that tackle. You know, if you're, if, as long as you're not in some snaggy areas, you can go out there day after day. Obviously, you're not catching multiple limits in the same day. Yeah. But day after day, you can go out there. And, I mean, you know, there, a lot of plastic companies are different, and you're going to have to find the one you like. We use a lot of local ones around here that are really good. Um, you know, the dot Worm, those guys over there, they make a really quality plastic. Um, we have Lunker City here. I'm going down a wormhole because yeah. it's like there's so many good ones. I mean, some local guys we got in the store, just a shout out, you know, to Thump them and Judges and all those guys that have sent us some baits and helped us out. But if you find a good quality plastic that stays on the hook yeah. and it, it keeps fish going because a lot of – I've gone through a lot of plastics, man. Yeah, I've gone through a lot of bad plastics where it's like one or two fish and the plastic's gone. Um, so if you find a quality bait that you like and you find a plastics that's going to stay, it's not going to cost you a ton of money to go out there and have a blast. And that's yeah. what's, that's, what's a lot of fun. One thing about casting that I like a lot 
is you're not limited to doing it on a boat. I see a lot of people doing it from shore that have a lot of success. So, I mean, even just casting from your dock as the sun's setting or as the sun's coming up, you're going to catch a ton of fish doing it that way. So you're not really limited to any just boat or just from shore. You can do it basically anywhere. Yeah, you know, that's um, interesting that you say that. I'm actually happy you brought that up because I really wanted to touch on it. And uh, I was just looking at the time. Fuck it, we got time. Yeah. We have the podcast. So yeah. we're going to talk a little about casting from shore. Yeah. <laughs> but essentially, I mean, it like you said, there's places on sh- shore fishing to me has always been my favorite because I didn't get a boat until I was probably 18 years old or something like that. My dad didn't have one. I didn't. Um, my buddy Cody would always get me out whenever we could go out. Um, yeah. But casting from shore was great because I could head down, you know, my family's got a restaurant in Marine City and I got it. There's like a park right next door. So I could always cast off there. And there's actually really good fishing right there for anyone that's around the area. Sorry for giving up a, a spot. But yeah, but that's the thing is there's good fishing all along shore. There's there's public parking and there's parks and there's restaurants that if you don't disrespect the area, you know, they'll let you use it. You might know somebody with a dock. You might know you if you can get out there and now casting from shore is the one thing I will say throw an ounce jig on if, if yeah. you've got the if you've got the material or the equipment to use it if you've got a rod heavy enough you can throw an ounce jig on because then it'll it'll work its way slower along but there's so many spots i mean you know i just think of of the st Clair river in particular um we'll start south and go north elginac has a gorgeous boardwalk that you can fish from marine city um has the next city up that's where we're at we've got what five parks downtown and two yeah. restaurants that, like I said, if you don't disrespect their property, they don't mind if you're fishing off of there. Um, you head up north of Marine City is St. Clair. They have the largest freshwater boardwalk, I think, in the country. Yeah, it's um, pretty big. It's huge. And there's good fishing all along it. Yeah. And then you go up to Marysville. Marysville's got the boat launch. They've got a fishing pier. They've got great spots to fish. Uh, and then you head up to Port Huron, and obviously – there's some phenomenal spots in Port Huron to fish, and there's yeah. a ton of places to fish up in Port Huron. They do a really good job with allowing people to fish up there. And you know, the the shore fishermen, uh, the biggest thing is I can't emphasize it enough because we actually have a really good spot right next to the bait shop that used to let shore fishermen there. Guys, please don't disrespect where you're fishing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Clean up your minnow containers, clean up your beer bottles. It doesn't matter if you're out there drinking, just take it home. Clean up your dip bottles that you're spitting in yeah. uh, and all that stuff. Because that's what's going to ruin these spots for our kids and grandkids and stuff coming up is if you just disrespect the property. But if you keep it clean, and I will say, man, the the guys around our area, they've done a great job. Um, The cities are putting money back into parks and back into stuff for these guys to fish because they are respecting it and they do deserve it. If you respect it, you deserve it. Yeah. Usually when I fish from shore, I try to pick up as much trash as I can just to make it look nice, look like. I mean, just the way you left it. I mean, if you can leave it looking better than the way it was before you got there, it's it's always a plus. Right. And I think, um, you know, talk about casting from shore. A lot of spots, you know, what's nice is there's a drop-off right away. Yeah. There's a drop-off. From, from dry land to the water, there's a drop-off. So you're always going to have fish crews in that drop-off. Now, some spots are going to be infested with weeds, which is a lot of the problems with a lot of spots on shore is weeds will grow up. So it's really hard to fish, especially casting jigs and stuff like we've yeah. been talking about. Yeah. Um, but if you can find those spots downtown 
or away from the weeds where you can cast those jigs. And those are the spots that you can get away with, you know, your three eighths uh, jigs or your half ounce jigs. You can get away with a lot smaller jigs because you're fishing shallow water. But guys, those walleye are there. You can shine lights in the water and those fish, they will come up into two feet of water to feed. It doesn't matter if they're in the lake, in the river, or in a channel. They're going to come up and feed if there's bait. So just keep an eye on where bait is. If you're if you're out one day, you know, with the family or, or out running some errands and you notice you're by the water and there's bait, you might want to go fish that. Yeah. There's going to be fish there. And who cares if you're not on a boat? And who cares if you don't got all the nice stuff? You're going to bend the rod and you're going to get exactly what you want accomplished accomplished yeah i always see people on shore trying to bomb a cast as far as they can into their backing and then wondering why they keep getting snagged while they're dragging a bottom but i mean it's really it's not that complicated i mean if you're fishing in the middle of the day you might have to throw that jig a little bit farther just because they're going to be sitting a little bit deeper but if you're fishing early in the morning or late at night when shore fishing is stellar you really don't have to throw that jig farther than 20 feet out or sometimes even straight down next to the docks. I mean, those fish pull up super tight. They follow the bait, and those baits sit right on the edge of docks. So if you're fishing in the dark, you don't have to throw that bait far at all. Right, and it's like you got to emphasize that it is a casting walleyes episode, but we are talking casting jigs and casting baits. Uh, we got a lot of shore fishermen that cast live bait and dead bait. Those guys, you'll watch them, bomb them out deep. That's because they got still bait. You know, with jigs, you're going to have an active bait. You want to fish more the drop-off than anything. Um, so definitely keep an eye on that. Sometimes there's going to be guys bombing stuff out there. Just see what they're bombing out there. Odds are it's going to be a heavyweight and some some sort of either live bait or like a spoon, basically still fishing. But if you're actively fishing and you're going to be jig fishing like we're talking about, you don't need to be bombing it out. You really kind of, like I said, get to know your area a little bit. Honestly, man, go on Google Maps. Yeah. You know, go on Google Maps and see where you're fishing. Usually from the satellite image, you can see where there's a drop-off. And if you can see where there's a drop-off, just get to it. Yeah. Another, now, go ahead. Another thing I will say about casting from shore is you're going to be pounding the same spot over and over. So if you catch two or three fish real quick and then you stop getting bites or you start getting short strikes switch up the color um usually the fish are still there but after seeing the same bait multiple times it's just i mean as simple as changing the color and you should start to catch them again yeah change the color and and like you said change the bait because a lot of times you know the fish are getting hammered and honestly like we said there's more people out fishing now than there were you know in the last decade and it's a good thing it's great to see people on the water but at the same time those fish are seeing a lot of pressure and whether you're in the boat or offshore, but especially offshore, because, you know, it seems like obviously a lot more guys are shore fishing and shore spots can get limited. So, you know, switch your baits, switch your colors first, and then switch your baits because sometimes it's just something that the fish haven't seen. That's definitely going to, it's going to turn them on and, and get them going feeding. Yeah. Um, don't be afraid to try it. Uh, I mean, new colors, new baits. A lot of people are going to, I mean, I hate to say it myself, but me and Pete Preach use a natural bait. But if there's some funky looking color you've never seen anybody have tied on their jig, throw it on for a couple casts, a couple minutes. You might be surprised because it's happened to me multiple times where 
I'm using a chartreuse color bait that I've never seen anybody have tied on and I've smashed. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, let's just be honest. We're going to, we can, we can say whatever we want, but at the end of the day, the fish are going to tell you what they want. So yeah. if, if you have, obviously if you're going to switch up to some colors, you know, that you've never really used before, but try them out because that means what you're using, what you are using isn't working. So the stuff yeah. that you're trying to use isn't working and that's when it's time to switch it up. But you know, throwing up colors, cause it can be anything, even if it's a reaction strike, those fish are still going to hit that bait. Uh, and, and you're going to have a great time. So maybe they just hate the color yellow. Yeah. Throw even, on yellow. I don't know. Even casting from shore, maybe a little bit of a brighter color. You never know. You might catch salmon, steelhead, coho, kings. Um, brighter colors do help with that, I think. Um, so just try it out. You never know. Yeah, we definitely found that out a little bit um, in the spring when we were casting a little bit was the, the chartreuses, uh, the bright pinks, bright oranges. Uh, the salmon and trout, they definitely seem to stick to those a little more. Yeah. Um, and obviously the whites and stuff. But, uh, hey, guys, I think that really kind of wraps up what we wanted to talk about as far as casting eyes. We really hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, anything that you want to touch on, any questions or concerns, I'll keep saying it, man. Our emails are open, our Facebook page, our Instagram, our cell phone numbers are out there. Uh, so find a way to get a hold of us, get a hold of us. We'd love to answer any questions you have. If there's anything you want to hear us talk about, Throw it on there. Um, anything really fishing related that we've been doing, we'd love to talk about. We've still got some great episodes coming up. We've got our first guest actually coming up here in a couple episodes. Actually, might be the next episode. Yeah, hopefully soon. So stay tuned as, as that'll be coming up. Um, you know, the store's got some awesome stuff going on. So obviously, um, you know, the store is why we're able to do what we do and, and do that kind of stuff. So if you're in Marine City or around, stop by and check out the store. But that's kind of all the preaching I got for y'all today. Thank you for joining in, Louie. As always, like, share, and subscribe. You know it's coming from Louie. Like, share, and subscribe. Find us on the social medias and help us grow, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day and tight lines. Mm-hmm.